This episode is brought to you in part by Candorel. Coming soon, a luxury master-planned condominium community rising at the corner of Bathurst and St. Clair. Situated directly on the subway and streetcar line, a monument of architecture and interior design, a timeless expression of glamour and grace. Forêt Forest Hill. Register today at live at forêt.ca. That's live at f-o-r-e-t dot c-a. Welcome to Yehopitzville, everybody. I'm Ralph Benmergi. Yehopitzville uh, is brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. Hope you're having yourself a good and fruitful day. The weather is warm at this moment in time. I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but in this moment in time, it is warm. Uh, but I'm going to talk about a place that's warm all the time in a moment. My guest today is Simon Kreindler, uh, and he has uh, published a book called Peddler's All. Stories of the First Ashkenazi Jewish Settlers of Barbados. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you. <laughs> what, what an intro. How did you discover and, and, and decide that this was something you really wanted to talk about? Uh, in the book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, back in about 2015, <clears throat> I decided that there was a group of about 40 families who had come to Barbados in the 1930s. Um, and, you know, they, they were all pretty, they had come from Europe, um, escaping the growing anti-Semitism and the difficulties with just living uh, a Jewish life there um, in advance of the war. And um, they had started out afresh in a totally different place um, with a totally different language than any of them were used to speaking. And they had all done you know, really remarkably well, all things considered. And I felt that we should make some kind of effort to pay tribute to them. One of these families were my own parents. So I had a very, um, um, you know, specific interest in the project. So I, I got in touch with a few of my contemporaries, and some of them a bit younger than I am. And I asked them what they thought. They told me that uh, a couple of people had wanted to do this previously, but had never managed to get it off the ground, but they thought it would be a great idea. So I basically, because almost all the people of my parents' generation were uh, already deceased, um, and there were only a couple of people of that generation who were still living, I asked um, basically the children of these 40 families to write their parents' stories and to write their own stories, because their own stories growing up on this um, paradise of an island would have been very different. And I felt, you know, both perspectives would have been important to include. So I got a phenomenally enthusiastic response. And, you know, and within a very short time, I had all these stories. And then we had the challenge of um, putting it together and editing it and, uh, you know, um, having transitions uh, in the book anyway yeah um, huge help from my wife and a couple of other people we got it put together so there's something you said there that i find very interesting because um i guess as an, a child who was born in another country myself and then came to canada there's this bridge that is hard to cross between parents and children sometimes because the parents have another world inside them and the children don't and they kind of look at them like, no, but we're from Barbados. We're not from, you know, Eastern Europe or something. What? Tell me a bit about that, about what that, what that kind of bridging is like. Well, for me, it was 
pretty easy. Um, my parents were, um, how should I put it? Um, they were phenomenal parents, my parents. Um, they, my, they were very gentle people. Um, <clears throat> my mother was, a, was very young when she married my father. And I can tell you a bit about that story, although it's detailed in the book. My mother was only 15 and a half when she wow. married my father. And he was 11 years older than she was. Um, but they had a fantastic marriage. And, uh, you know, they were wonderful parents. Um, so, you know, they were very, very patient and understanding. And I didn't really experience what you were describing, although I know that there were others in the book who, and for anyone who reads the book, you will see that there were those challenges. People from the old country who just couldn't get their head around, you know, what their children were doing in this new environment. Yeah. How they thought and how they operated. Yeah. So there is a history in the Caribbean of Sephardic Jews, right? Yes. So in Curacao, places like that, the, the Dutch, the New Amsterdam Sephardic Jews, after the expulsion, they end up there, Spanish Portuguese synagogues. But this is different. This is Ashkenazi and this is 20, 20th century, right? Yes. Barbados has a very fascinating Sephardic history as well. I'm actually working on a book on that right now. Um, the, there was a very a substantial community of Sephardic Jews who came to Barbados starting in the 1620s, 30s, mm -hmm. uh, to help the British with their sugar plantations. Uh, and they were there for over 300 years. <clears throat> That's interesting. In fact, the last Sephardi Jew on the island died about two months after my father arrived on the island. Wow. Wow. So one chapter closes after hundreds of years and the next chapter opens. Exactly. So tell me more about some of these 40 families. Well, they, <clears throat> they were most of them, not all, but most of them were from Poland. Um, the first, um, there were three people who arrived at the very um, outset in 1932. Um, a, a gentleman by the name of Moses Altman and his niece, and her husband, Dina and Moses Mass, they were the first uh, to arrive. And then, you know, they let their families and friends know that, you know, the, the island was open, it was accepting of them. And within a relatively short time, a, a number of their family members and close friends uh, came and joined them. <clears throat> um, and that that's, you know, the story of the, the first 40 families, they arrived in relatively short order. Um, and then there were dribs and drabs of people who came, um, you know, um, shortly before the war. And then some, I had an aunt and an uncle who came after the war. Um, and <clears throat> then there were a whole group of people who are, are mentioned also, or whose stories are also in the book, who came to Barbados um, in the 60s and 70s to uh, either start businesses or retire. Um, and, and their stories are also told in the book. So they all, did they all come to Bridgetown? Like everybody stayed in the, in the capital? Well, or? Actually, no, no, very few people live in Bridgetown, but the surrounding area um, is, um, you know, it's, it's all within like 10 miles of Bridgetown. Um, many of them all lived, yes. And uh, there was a, a synagogue to, to center people or no? We, we have a very interesting story because the Sephardi Jews left behind um, a synagogue that had fallen into disrepair um, and because there were so few of them left to, you know, to support it. So um, <clears throat> in, 
early 1930s, the last Sephardi Jew, who I mentioned before, who died in 1934, uh, who had been given instructions by Bevis Marx, sold the synagogue um, with Bevis Marx permission and the adjoining cemetery to a local Barbados lawyer who did not follow the covenant to the sale and protect the, the cemetery started mm. to, he wanted to turn it, well, I don't know what he exactly wanted to do because before very long he died. So the cemetery was subsequently, uh, and the synagogue was sold to yet another Barbados lawyer who converted it into an office building stripped out everything, sold them all off at auction, all the various um, mm. innards of the synagogue, um, and did quite a bit of damage to the cemetery. Um, <clears throat> but um, then after the Ashkenazim arrived um, in the 30s, uh, in the, in, I don't remember exactly when it was, Ralph. Um, let's see. Yeah, in 1977, the, the, the synagogue building just languished, basically. Mm -hmm. The guy who bought it had installed a second floor where the women's balcony was. And um, after a while, and he put in garages, which involved some damage of the cemetery uh, itself. Uh, anyway, the, the, the building just languished and nothing was happening with it. And the government acquired the whole property and announced to all that they were going to um, tear it down and build a new Barbados Supreme Court building. So the Ashkenazim decided this couldn't happen. And so they got to work on trying to prevail on government to uh, give up this plan, which eventually they did. Um, and in 1984, the government agreed that they would not demolish the, uh, the, the synagogue building. It was basically a shell at that point. Um, and <clears throat> the the undertaking was that the um, Ashkenazi community would restore the building mm -hmm. uh, and, and the cemetery. So a huge amount of work went into doing this. And eventually the, the synagogue was restored to what it had looked like originally, really quite beautiful. They, uh, the person in charge of this, who was the grandson of uh, the, the gentleman, Moses Altman, who had arrived uh, in 1932, um, he is um, a local um, businessman, um, and he took on the job of uh, managing the restoration, did a beautiful job of it, had uh, local carpenters and whatnot rebuild, you know, the seating, the um, lampposts and whatever. Uh, the, some of the fantastic original chandeliers had ended up in the DuPont Museum in, mm. in uh, Maryland. Uh, I think that's where it was. And um, they were requested to return them. And they said, no, they wouldn't. So um, the, the chandeliers were, copies were made of them. And the, the original clock that was in the synagogue was restored in England and brought back. Bevis Marks was requested to return some of the uh, religious items, but they refused um, saying that the synagogue was now an Ashkenazi synagogue and they were a Sephardi synagogue and they were not going to return it to an Ashkenazi community. <laughs> <laughs> why, why does this need exactly? Why does this not surprise me? <laughs> so I would not go in that shul if it was the last, you know, <clears throat> been there. Um, how many uh, Jewish families are there in Barbados now? Now, 
handful, literally. Um, I don't know, maybe 15, you know, they're, they're, the, the problem has been for, for many years, you know, that if you uh, are a young person in Barbados and you stay there, assimilation is a very, very high likelihood. Right. So we have, um, I, it's difficult to tell you the number because there are some families who are married and who are married to Jewish partners. There are some families who are married out of the faith um, but who still are involved as members of the Jewish community. Um, we have a Chabad there now that's uh, been there, I don't know, eight or 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not that long. Like when you were growing up, was were, were, was there an ability to be observant? Was there kosher? Was there Were all these things happening? Or you just have to try to No, adapt? it's not possible to maintain kashrut there. Right. You could... Um, you could um, be observant of the holidays. All the holidays were all celebrated. Um, you know, all the men of the original community who came there in the 30s were all, not all, but many of them were, were, were quite learned uh, Jewishly. And they conducted services for all the holidays. And, um, and Friday no night- No rabbi though, right? No, we didn't have a rabbi. And right. Friday night services were standard. And when I was young, um, there was also several attempts to have um, a um, Sunday school for the kids. Right. And they did right. it at various times. So you felt Jewish growing up? Oh, my, my parents absolutely wanted, you know, they didn't practice much that was Jewish at home. Strange. But there was no question in my mind that, you know, we were Jewish and we were, we, we were, were, were not to even think of not continuing to be Jewish. <laughs> I don't know how you threaten somebody into that, but it seems to work. Why is the book called Peddlers All? Oh, that's interesting because most of the men who came, including my father, um, they didn't speak the language. My father did speak some English because he had he had come there in by an indirect route. He had uh, come to originally wanted to go uh, when he left Europe. Um, he wanted in 930, he wanted to go to join his uh, two older brothers in New York. But by the time he wanted to leave, the U.S. was no longer taking people from mm. that part of the world. So he ended up in Curacao and then he went to Aruba for a while and worked there. And that was where he met a man who told him about Barbados. And then he came to Barbados in 1934. Um, and I've forgotten the question you asked me before. Well, peddlers, why oh, are they peddlers. all peddlers? But so when they came to Barbados, my father and all these other people, they had to make a living and they didn't have any other way of doing it than by becoming peddlers. So my father had done some peddling um, for a short while in Curacao. And um, so he, he began again in Barbados doing the same, gradually saved some money. Uh, eventually got some help from a local uh, businessman who uh, thought well of him and uh, borrowed some money from him to um, open his own store. What did he sell? Schmattes. Right. 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 Um, and, uh, and, and, and a lot of the Jewish men did this. They all exactly the same. There were a few, a very few who came there and who didn't go into retailing. There were a right. couple who didn't even go into peddling, you know, started as retailers. But the majority did go into small retailing and then gradually expanded. And some of them started factories where they manufactured various kinds of items of clothing and so on. So what kind of relationship did the Jewish community, the small Jewish community, the new Jewish community have with the rest of the people in Barbados? Very, I think, a very comfortable relationship. Barbadians, you know, they're, they're, I, I didn't 
I know my younger brothers have spoken of having experienced some anti-Semitism, uh, very mild, um, you know, comments or killing Christ and that sort of thing. But when I was growing up, I never experienced any anti-Semitism. I didn't, I, most of the friends I associated with, I actually had one very close friend uh, who I spent most of my free time with when I was uh, not in school. He, he was uh, not Jewish. And um, got along swimmingly with him. And at school, I never experienced. I went to a boarding school, as did my brothers. We were away from, from home at school from uh, Sunday night to Friday night, Friday afternoon. I always wondered what that was like. I, 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 can't, I couldn't imagine. Like I, I would imagine I would feel like, why aren't I home? I, I didn't feel that way at all. My younger brothers were not so happy, but my parents sent them because I had gone there and had a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you ruined it for them. That's what you right, mean. I did. Um, how long did you stay in Barbados? We all stayed until we finished high school, around 17. And then there was no university there at the time. There is now, but there wasn't then. So um, we headed off to uh, Montreal. I did, my brothers as well. Why Montreal? I guess my, my father knew Montreal because he did business there. Uh, right. He'd get some schmata wholesale, bring it to Barbados and retail it, right? Yeah. So I'll tell you something else interesting because you asked about, uh, you know, Jewishness in Barbados. My mm -hmm. father, in addition to, uh, you know, making it very clear from early on that uh, we were not to marry out, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, you know, wanted me to have a bar mitzvah. And I never had much of a Jewish education in Barbados, obviously. So I spent a year in Miami studying for my bar mitzvah. Seriously? And I had my bar mitzvah <laughs> in Sephardic shul in Guatemala, where my grandparents lived. Wow. Now, okay. Your grandparents did what? Moved from where? <clears throat> my parents moved from the same town in Austria. Which was? Chernovitz, it was called at the time. Okay. It's now part of Ukraine called Chernauti. Actually, it's now part of um, it's now part of Romania, I'm sorry. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, they, they, they left uh, Europe in, in 1927 with my mother and her younger brother and came to Guatemala. They came to Guatemala because there were a couple of uh, Jewish men that I think they, no, they didn't know them then, but they met them in, in Guatemala. There were a number of Jews in Guatemala were contemporaries of theirs. Anyway, they, they came to Guatemala. My, my grandfather was a lovely, funny man, but he was not a businessman. Tried many, many businesses at which he failed. And someone mentioned him that he should try being a running a bakery and uh, they would introduce him to a baker who would help him with this, which my grandfather did. And, and you know, life in the baking business was not easy, but anyway, they, they were making a, a go of it. And then um, at one point, uh, my grandparents realized that my mom was getting the attention of the son of the country's minister of war, because they were living in what was then the capital of the city, and the ministers were all there. And this was a good Catholic family, and my grandparents, you know, the alarm bells went off, because they knew that, you know, this man's mother was sending little gifts by him to my mother, who was then 15, and my grandparents decided they had to get out of there. So two of their former friends in, in Guatemala, in the town where they were living, um, had gone to Barbados. So they got on a boat with my mother and her two siblings at that point and went to Barbados. And these two men, one of them 
who they knew who had lived in Guatemala, who now were in Barbados. One of them introduced my parents almost immediately after they arrived, and the other married them four months later. <laughs> you know, while you're saying this, I'm thinking of, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? <clears throat> like, who can think this stuff up? You know, you're from Austria, which becomes Romania, but you move to Guatemala and the minister of war, and then you got to move to Barbados, and then... 12, you know, four months later, you're it's like, this is crazy. Like, you know, wh why are we bothering to plan anything? That's what I'm trying to figure out. So in putting together this book, what did you, what came up for you? And what do, what do you want us to, to, to think about? Well, you know, I think all of the 40 families, the, ch excuse me, the children of, like me, wanted to, to, to say something that was a tribute to our parents and to put it down in, in print that it could be remained for the, you know, the children and their, and the grandchildren and so on. So I think uh, that that was the main purpose of it. Uh, they're, they're interest, fascinating stories, some of them. I mean, my parents are, you know, everyone's story is interesting in different ways. Mm -hmm. but some of the other stories are amazing. Like who? Tell me about somebody else. You know, you're, you're, you're challenging my memory now. No, the, the there was, um, you know, Ralph, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to do this because some people are going to feel very left out if I mention No, it's that. okay. It's okay. People will read the book. They'll get everybody's story. Just tell me, tell me one or two. Well, there was one, one family I can think of in particular that were um, actually didn't come out in the original 40, but who, who remained on afterwards, who were, you know, involved uh, in Poland, um, survived the war there and being hidden and whatnot, had very high positions in the in the communist government, um, and had all kinds of interesting exploits. Like, for instance, the the, the man who, who who found ways of disguising the fact that he was circumcised because he was, you know, he had to prove at some point that he. He was not, and I don't remember exactly how he did it, but I know the stories <laughs> are quite, quite interesting. And his wife had equally interesting stories as well to tell about how she's managed to survive in hiding in various places. Anyway. That, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And they stayed? They stayed in Barbados? They, they stayed on uh, and, and, and came after the war, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a family with, uh, I think there were four, four brothers. Do you ever go back to Barbados? Yes, we've gone back. Yeah. When was the last time you went back? Um, before COVID, we were there. Yeah. In and 19. what? When you're there, what comes up for you? Oh, everything. I mean, I, I, I love the, the 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 place, the people. The, you know, it's it's one of the friendliest places you could imagine. The 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 black people are so you know gentle and caring. You know, you hear exceptions, of course. You hear every so often of, um, you know, not pleasant things happening there. But by and large, the the you know there there is no antagonism at all. They're they're just lovely, friendly, caring, helpful people. I love uh, the people. I love the scenery is beautiful. You know, and 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 the island's very small, and we lived in all different parts of of the island, and so I'm very comfortable everywhere there, and I still have some good friends there. <clears throat> Do you miss the ocean? Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much. Yeah, Lake 
lakes don't quite cut it. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't have the ferocity and the scale of an ocean. No. An ocean makes you very humble very quickly. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like mess with this thing, it'll kill you. That's right. A lake is like, how deep is it? I just want to know how deep it is. Yeah. So um, if you were to give advice to somebody who was going to live a Jewish life in one way or another in a place where there's not a lot of Jewish people, what would you say? My wife's just whispered to me, say, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's always always been a bit baffled about, uh, um, you know, but look, you know, I, I can't second guess my parents. They did what they did to survive at the time. And they ended up in a in a marriage that, uh, you know, lasted 60 years and they were very, very happy. And uh, they were fantastic parents as far as I was concerned. And um, I, I learned a great deal from them. And um, but what 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 advice would I give? I, uh, you, uh, Ralph, it's really it's really difficult to say. I think you know you, you can't you can't hope to um, stay Jewish if you remain in a place like that all your life. You have, if your children are going to be there, you're going to have to you're going to have to say goodbye to them at some point, uh, just like my parents did. Um, but it, it, it's not easy. I mean, I think the Jewish people there are, are are trying really hard to maintain some kind of a sense of a community, but it's difficult. You know, you have um, you have people who are on different ends of the spectrum. Some people are more embracing of, you know, the, the fact that some people are intermarried. Other people uh, do not approve of it at all. Mm. Um, there have been Black people who have wanted to convert to Judaism. And um, there are, are actually some who did. Um, and one of the stories of one of them is the story of one of those couples is included in the book. Um, unfortunately, the community was not very accepting of them, and they left and went to New York not long after oh, it was published. That's um, a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Yeah. It is a shame, because you, you have to be willing to embrace everyone if you want that community to survive in yeah. a small place like that. The book is called Peddlers All, Stories of the First Ashkenazi Jewish Settlers of Barbados. It's available on at, in Amazon and as an ebook as well. So I would assume it's on Kindle. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, Simon Kreindler is uh, the man who put the book together. And now he's working on one for the Sephardic team, for my team. <laughs> to talk about their history there too because the Sephardic history in the Caribbean is fascinating yes. I'm happy you're doing that that's a wonderful thing thank you very much for doing this I really appreciate it thank you Rob pleasure this has been Yehopitzville sponsored by Pear Tree Canada reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors learn more at peartreecanada.com I'm your host Ralph Benmergi our producer my long-suffering producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country and all over the world visiting small Jewish communities, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, ralphbenmergi.ca. I host another podcast called Not That Kind of Rabbi, and I have a book out myself called I Thought He Was Dead. If you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, the cjn.ca. Thanks, and we'll see you next time in Yehupitzville.